change of scenery. Yeah. Again. And there's a video. Yeah, there's a video. Which we will decide how to release it I, later on. It's going to be an awkward position. I mean, it's all on you. Is Better it? You oh, it's me. your back, isn't it? Oh, you're right. Oh, you can see no, my bad, I gotta, I gotta see sit my bad posture. It's weird. We always talked about being on YouTube. This is Making It Up, co-hosted by myself, Eugene Can, and Sharice Poon. We come together on a weekly basis to talk about things that we are interested in, have questions about, want to get each other's thoughts on. Making It Up is produced by Macon, which is original storytelling at its purest through captivating audio, engaging words, and beautiful visuals. Making It Up is an exercise in analyzing and dissecting important movements in creative culture. It's an opportunity to sound off on each other and make sense of the complex, intertwined world we live in. We try to come to some sort of conclusion in order to be helpful to our listeners, but really, we are working through things and we appreciate you working through them with us. If you like what you hear and want to help us keep going, you can support us on patreon.com slash Last one of the year, let's go! We're in FM Below Ground in a radio booth in the basement of Landmark. Bougie-ass mall. The mall is bougie. The booth is new. And what else? Run by the Yeti Out guys. Yes. FM Below Ground. So shout out to them for hosting us and making it up. They have super nice equipment and a really good setup. So in a situation where we're not like cramped into... Eugene's Chaiwan office. If we sound a little fuzzy or muffled, it's because we have face masks on. Yeah. Surgical masks. I decided it was unsafe to spit directly into these beautiful FM below ground mics. I have a surprise for you. What is it? Mostly because I like ambushing you on air. It's a gift, isn't it? It is. Don't worry. It's nothing expensive. Merry Christmas. Thank you. This is for you and your wife. So don't just eat it all right now. So, obviously, there's a video of this. <laughs> Yo, I honestly spent $400 Hong Kong at Bakehouse yesterday. Oh, just yesterday. Because Nicole had a shoot. Uh, Thank you, though. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Well, I did not get you anything. Don't worry. I wasn't, to be honest, even though I like making feel bad, this was not premeditated at all. Because, like, I went to Bakehouse to get myself something. And I was like, wait, I'm seeing Eugene later. It's kind of Christmas coming up, so. Before we get too deep into it, we have no actual topics this week. We don't have topics like we usually do. We obviously have some big idea of what we're talking about. Correct. Are you doing any sort of Secret Santa thing this year? Yes. I've done three. Already? I'm doing one on the 25th. That's in two days. I have done one where we've finished and revealed. I'm in the midst of two other ones. One of them you will find interesting, actually. I can't take credit for coming up with this idea. It was my friend, Joan, who I've talked about on this podcast. Uh, Me, her, and a couple of other friends are doing a donation secret Santa. Oh. So you draw names, and then you have to donate a, like, your own determined amount, so there's no, like, requirement, to something that you think that person would care about. And then when we reveal, we'll reveal what we donated to. The amount is secret. The, the, the amount is secret the whole time. Yeah. So there's some part of this, which is an honor system. Interesting. I am involved in one on the 25th and I'm very excited about my gift and I can talk about it because by is the time- Is this a footy secret Santa? No, that's, that's, that stuff all got canceled. This is just with some friends, but it's white elephant where oh, people steal. Oh, that's different. 
White elephant is for jokes. Yeah. Secret Santa is like usually a for real thing, you know, where you have like a group of friends that, you know, want to give gifts, but not to everyone. So, so what did you get? So my thing will be this. I've, I'm going to set up this elaborate choose your own adventure to arrive at two different stocks that are valued at the limit, which is what? Like this is such an elaborate white elephant gift. So basically, I'm going to paint two narratives. Are you a good ethical person or are you an asshole? So one stock Does will the be, asshole one lead to like defense stocks? Uh, close. Palantir. I knew it. And the I other knew one, it. And the other one will be iClean, an ETF. Oh my God. So basically, there'll be a series of I questions. I uh, QCLN. So what's going to happen is I, that... I have QCLN. What's going to happen is that as you move down the path you'll reveal oh what type of person you are because what i'm going to do is double the amount of palantir oh my gosh versus the the singular amount okay first of all i feel like you have misunderstood most people's white elephants okay with your elaborate mind games narrative thing going on and second of all you're going to be a real bummer at this party no it's gonna be amazing can you imagine people fighting over Palantir? Are you looking it up? Yeah. Charisse Palantir, the- according to their website, we build the world's leading software for data-driven decisions and operations. Palantir, according to Wikipedia, Palantir Technologies is a public American software company that specializes in big data analytics. Headquartered in Denver, Colorado, founded by Peter Thiel, Nathan Gettings, Joe Lonsdale, Stephen Cohen, and Alex Karp in 2003. Hey, the stock popped 10% today. I know. It's going to be expensive for me. It is going to be. So isn't it expensive? It, isn't there not like a Well, limit think about it. I just hold on, on to the stock and I'll just sell it. Um, but anyways, the other one, iClean, is an ETF, which is a basket of companies that support clean energy. Yeah. I, I own a similar one. Yeah. Anyways, let's not talk about that. Let's um, move you on. You were too excited. Okay, so. Don't you think it's going to be amazing? I think this is a very innovative way of playing. Okay, I think, you have, an, I think you have an innovative present, but I'm not convinced that this will go over well during your white elephant. Because usually what happens in white elephants is like someone wraps 20 potatoes to make it look like, I don't know, like an iPad this is or something. Do you know what I mean? Very much in the same vein of getting some sort of, uh, I don't know. Okay, moving on. As Eugene said, we have no news topics today. Instead, we decided we're going to recap the year. Eugene very helpfully did the prep work for this by listing out questions. Should we just go from one to six? Yeah, let's do it. First one. I'm glad I'm holding the questions right now because yeah. you have to start. How are you feeling emotionally? Um, I would say that in general, amidst everything, I'm, I carry this not defeatist attitude, but this extremely pragmatic attitude that is probably even more pragmatic than what it was maybe a year ago that's not really an emotion well i mean that kind of dictates my emotions right like i don't I, i'm so numb to everything right now okay I would oh say. numb is an emotion yeah numb is an emotion numb i guess that's what i was emotion. trying to get at like i'm pretty numb um pragmatic is more of a personality the, attribute the pragmatic nature leads to the numbness does that make sense it does i think i'm just like splitting hairs yeah so i had a hard time determining what emotion I'm feeling. Uh, one thing I will say that I'm probably comfortable and not necessarily in a bad way. Like I'm very comfortable in where I am right now, mm. which is like, we talked about this before. It's, it's, 
sometimes weird to feel some sort of positive emotion when so many other people around you are going through challenging times. I and think I've, that's guilt. I think that emotion well, yeah, is guilt. It's guilt, but it's like not, it's like the guilt that I personally call it feel is, I guess it's kind of like you, you kind of come to terms with like, well, how do you, how do you make things around you a little bit, I don't know, better? Maybe, but that's the thing is, maybe motivational. Yeah. Maybe I mean, that's motivated. Well, I had a conversation. This, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I had this conversation, this offshoot com conversation where just like looking at all the things that are fucking with our world right now. It's like the political side of things, the environmental side of things. And it's not that I don't care about that stuff, but it's more about what is my ability to have a positive impact on it. And I don't, I don't see myself as like, oh, I'm, I'm a political front runner. I'm the face of a political movement. So it's almost a little bit more subversive in what impact I can have. But I, but also it's like, what does that mean? Is that a cop-out answer? I don't think that's a cop-out answer. I don't think you can see the change that you want to make and not be able to make it, but you still need to do the things that are within your power, no matter how small that is. That, that's what I think. Yeah. Okay, so you said pragmatic, numb, comfortable, motivated. But also excited in a way. Like, I just feel that because we're so, so close to the bottom, I think, that you're excited for what the turnaround could be. We as, a, as in a world? Well, I mean, we yeah, I guess we could Eugene. continue following. I think that in general, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what that outcome means. Mm. So for me personally, like, I, I think I've, I've been carefully optimistic in certain places but i've also been you know very very mindful of the circumstances that surround us yeah i like careful optimism i think optimism has to be careful yeah to be productive yeah so what about yourself okay so as i was saying i had a hard time after you sent this figuring out how i feel so maybe that's a feeling in itself confusion um, and then I remembered I had a friend once who told me that he found this feelings wheel to be super helpful. And feelings have ever, wheel. Have you ever seen this? There's like a bunch of versions of it. No, but I like wheels as a concept. So the way this works is there. Should I show the camera? If the camera can see this. Definitely cannot. It's a feelings Definitely wheel. cannot. <laughs> Okay, feelings wheel. It's um, this one that I randomly picked, okay, is split into seven quadrants at its core. And the core quadrants are happy, surprised, bad, fearful, angry, disgusted, sad. Okay. So then you pick one of those. And I do feel some degree of sadness, but I know sad is not a very specific word. So then there's a second layer and it goes, Lonely, vulnerable, despair, guilty, depressed, hurt. And I think I would go with despair, which sounds extreme, but out of those six, that's what I go with. And then despair further splits into grief and powerless, which then I feel like is really specific to how I feel. Yeah. You that, see how this works? That aligns with me. Yeah. Yeah. Like I went from, oh, I have some vague feeling of sadness and to a more specific answer where I do feel grief and powerlessness. And I think that's, we've talked about 
processing everything that happened this year. And I think grief is part of that process before you can arrive at what do you do? You know, like, I don't, I think there has to be some degree of allowing yourself to understand, like, this is the situation before you can try to do anything Sorry, that's like helpful. After grief, it. what is it? I just said action. After action. I wasn't trying to. Oh, there's I don't, no, I don't know there's no like the, seven stages of like grieving type thing. Is there? Anyways, regardless. That, that, I don't know, but I'm just saying like, you know, I think a lot of globally or personally terrible things happened this year, right? Yeah. Like globally, there was yeah. a pandemic. And then personally, I think we might have had our own personal tragedies. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say like this loss for me is as big as for other people, but like, you know, I was supposed to move this year and that yeah. didn't happen. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of things have happened on a global scale and on individual scales that are worth grieving this year. And I, I mean, we don't have to go further into it, but I just felt like I didn't even really know enough how to pinpoint my feelings that I need to use this chart. I'm trying, I think there are more feelings I have other than like grief and powerlessness. There is some part of me that is like you optimistic or hopeful tentatively. This goes into your second question, actually. Yeah. So maybe it's a good time to sure. ask that one. You asked, does 2021 as a new year really mean a new year? And then you put parenthetical since COVID doesn't follow the Gregorian calendar. And I can start, which is that I think I know where you're coming from because time is time. Yeah. Right. Like, you know what I mean? What, what spawned this Every question day is, a, is a day. What spawned this question was everyone's mindset around New Year's resolutions. But I think that's important on a psychological and cultural level. So, yeah, I agree that time is time. and you know, December 31st and January 1st are arbitrary names that we give days. Like mm -hmm. the entire construct of a calendar is something man-made, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, I don't think a new year is like the sun and the earth and whatever, if you want to get like philosophical, like nature doesn't know it's a new year. Yeah. But in terms of a societal, like cultural mentality, I think the fact that people feel like it's a new start is important. Yes. It's important enough to make it a new start. Uh, the mental reset and or the glimmer of hope, because that's all you really have, right? For some, some people are just like, that's their, their ounce of hope is the things that they can create in their own mind. That makes sense. Like I've, for better or worse, that's what I've lived off of. It's just like imagining a different world that you hopefully can create. Maybe you don't get there and that's also okay. But I think that if you don't have this sort of imaginary place you're trying to go to, it can be very, you get stuck in the sand really fast. Yeah. I think it's really important. Like, I think what you just said, you know, people talk about like manifesting their own future. And I obviously don't really believe like you say something out loud and then it becomes reality. Like, it's obviously not like magic words. Like, yeah. I don't say I'm going to be rich and famous and then I become rich and famous. But the fact that I psychologically believe in something and want that for my future will affect the choices I make. Yes. So by, I feel that right now. Yeah. By looking into the new year and psychologically, if I'm in the mindset of everything is terrible, it will only get worse. 
then I will behave that way yeah. because that's what I believe in. Yeah. But if I think that, you know, I have the ability to make some kind of difference for myself or the people around me, then my actions will reflect that. Yeah. And I, this, this somehow relates to some of the stuff we've been talking about, but even from like a creative perspective, right? I've always been so consumed with like needing to do things fast and quickly. And that, that hasn't gone away for certain things, but on the same note, if anything, I've realized that if there's no existing track record, the speed in which you operate doesn't really need to be as fast as you think because certain things just need a bigger push that includes people outside of your domain, right? So Sharice and I might be really big on this one brand, right? And maybe we can only push it so far because you actually need someone over there, someone over here to help drive that forward, right? It's not really talking about trends so much as like growing something. And, you know, not to say growth is like the end all be all so much as I'm less consumed with time now. And maybe because I think time has just been this thing that has kind of bit us in the ass because, you know, looking back, it's more about, we don't, we talk, everyone talks about this a lot. It's like, there's no sense of like time and place and mindfulness because you're so busy looking at someone else's timeline, literally someone else's timeline in terms of where they are in the world and comparing it back to yourself. Right. So I think even for myself, like the things I want to achieve now, like I feel more comfortable thinking on a two to five year, 10 year timeline versus, Oh, like a six month timeline. And uh, if there's anything you we we both agree with in the world of quote unquote creative work, whatever you think will take X period of time usually takes you know double or whatever one and a half times. It's yeah. almost always the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We chronically underestimate, or we especially, want things to be quicker than especially what they if are. it's something that's never been done before. It's like you cannot predict every single thing before you put that pen to paper of how things are going to pan out, yeah. right? I mean, I think it's it's really human to want things to go faster than the rate that they're going. And I think it's also superhuman to like forget how far you've come. So something also I see people um, ask themselves a lot is, you know, if you looked back at the things you wanted five years ago, you know, how many of those things do you have now? Right. And it's meant to be an exercise where it's like uplifting, not discouraging, because we forget all of the things that we did overcome to get to where we are. Okay. Question number three. What are you excited about? And I feel like I wanted to ask you, is there a category in which this set? Because my question six was related to creativity specifically. But I don't know if you meant it open-endedly, like personally excited. I think it could be a pretty open-ended question, to be honest. Like for me, what am I excited about? There, there are moments when I get kind of stuck in this creative lull because everything seems so formulaic. We've talked about this in the past, like in the last few weeks. It's about the creative process is so... The, the whole creative process now is distilled to these very clear, definitive parts. And it's just a matter of you executing them. So it's less about discovery. It's more about execution. It's like someone discovered something and now execute based on their game plan, which is obviously to me not exciting 
but I, but I am excited about like unbreaking certain mental blocks I have. Like we know this, like I, I fucking hate marketing, right? Even though I work in technically an industry that, that thrives on marketing, like that's how you make your money. Right. But I, I think that maybe now it's about getting to a point in my time from maturity level to understand what I'm really good at, what I, what I'm not good at, and also how to like pull things together into place to make it happen. And I feel like this was something that for me, it's like coming to terms with the, this sort of, this mentality of just like, Hey, if no one's going to take charge, you take charge Mm. and just do it. You're really tipping into questions four and five here. I I don't even remember what I wrote. Your question four. Okay. You got to restrict yourself to things you're excited about. Anyways, what I'm excited about, I'm really excited about the whole digital landscape. I think what what that means for us going forward. I just think it's going to be really interesting to see new cultures built off of purely digital experiences, right? It means like, how do we become more efficient communicators in a remote slash work from home environment? Like, I really like things that aren't tangible, but have a really strong power on something. Right. So how, how I talk to you when you're in London or you're a designer in Sao Paulo or whatever, like that's really exciting and interesting to me. There's a lot of waste that exists in the physical world. So how can we achieve some of the same things in a digital world? Yeah. Right. I mean, we talk about fashion a lot. Like I mean, we talked about NFTs last week. Yeah. Too. Stuff like that. Yeah. What about you? For me, I interpreted this question more personally speaking. I have come around to being excited about being in Hong Kong. Yeah. Definitely when we made the decision, my partner and I, to stay in Hong Kong, there was disappointment or just recalibration. You know, my expectations, what I want to be doing and how I'm going to be doing it. And I think, you know, being in Hong Kong, there are personal things that are exciting to me, like family and friends. Like I'm I'm now happy about, I'm not that I wanted to like give up those relationships, but I'm happy about the time mm-hmm. that I get to further enjoy and develop those relationships, right? Like I'm glad that we get to do this in person, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then on, in another aspect, I'm also excited to get more involved with local Hong Kong creative mm-hmm. scene, creative people like i like that we are in fm below ground right now like even though arthur isn't here with us but i like this idea of recording out of this space um and being a part of you know adjacent to the other people who record here so that's exciting to me something i haven't really fully thought out you know what does that look like in terms of action let's say but i want to explore that or to just pay attention to the possibilities there i mean there's been so much sadness around where hong kong's going but it's i mean depending on who you ask like some people are really sad about it other people are like coming to terms with it and or trying to figure out what the next steps are and next steps could be a lot of things i mean my personal next steps versus the political next steps whatever that may be right for me personally you know I, i woke up or I had a conversation earlier today with a friend and it didn't get heated in terms of we were going back and forth so much as us just talking about the reality of the situation. Like for me, I, I always look at things like several steps or, or layers deeper. When I look at arguments, I I like to 
look maybe several layers deeper and see what the the actual intent or essence of something is, right? I think for me, you know, this is something that I've said to other people off mic, which is that systems will change, okay, from top down, policies and laws and other things that we have, even if you're not in Hong Kong, we have limited amounts of control over, okay, those things change. And obviously that affects an individual's life to some degree, sometimes unpredictable, right? You know, there are things that are very direct that you can say, you know, a tax results in I pay X amount, but there are things that are laws that you cannot yet determine. How is this going to Mm -hmm. affect me, Sharice? Okay, so systems change, but the individuals are the same. You know, we didn't change as people overnight in Hong Kong. Like everyone that was that person on any random day, like let's say 2019, February 1st, like today is we're still that person. And so that's what I think. That's what I think is important when I think about Hong Kong's future is that so many of us who have been here, who live here are still here. And so it doesn't like those top down systems that change. They didn't just like flip a switch in us. We're not automatons, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, what's important. Yeah. Like, yes, you might say that there are different constraints that we have to work within. But there's, I, I, I feel more optimism than I feel discouragement about like the possibilities. Yeah. It's the next question. The next question. What did you learn about work in 2020? And heads up, your question after that is what did you learn about yourself? So try yeah. to make a distinction between. Should we just combine them? I mean. The, the fact that you suggest that is how much you put work related to yourself. Yeah. I mean, you could separate them. You can. You can separate those two if you want. Well, I guess for the first question, what did you learn about work? Why don't you think externally? Like, like in terms of, because one thing that this recap can kind of be is reflecting on changes that occurred in 2020, societally speaking. Yeah. So what did you learn about I think work I, in a big picture way? I think from a, from a work perspective, I really understood how to define value and how to utilize that as your jumping off point. And what I mean by that is obviously when you're in the creative services business, which is, you know, the sister part to, to making, which is Adam studios, right? Knowing what you do really well and being unapologetic about it and knowing what to say no to has been actually a really important thing for us because when we start doing things we're not good at or that become inefficient, I think it really hampers our ability to create and it it just, you know, there's a lot of opportunity costs involved in that. And I talked about this in my December editor's letter. I was like, at this point in time, like, what are you really good at that other people are potentially not as good at, or there's less of you, right? And how do you leverage that into a solution for somebody? So, I mean, for Alex and I, okay, we get branding and then we can make something look nice. And we understand that on a geopolitical global landscape. There you go. That's like kind of where we're good at, right? Like, I think pound, I don't like using this reference, but like pound for pound, like I feel like the utmost confidence being put in any room with anybody and just talking about something because I understand how the world works, or at least I can ask the questions to arrive at a conclusion. 
so then knowing that like what type of clients are you going after like i think that was really important to me and also this is the really like sad part about it is that like you know there are moments in now that you've seen enough things you've been around the block a few times you recognize moments of opportunity where you can you can provide a solution and both parties are happy but you can maximize that upside for yourself because for us it's like you take that and you can put it into other things that you feel are uh let's call it community based or call it like something that's additive to culture it's not about like me making more money for the sake of making more money it's me about finding opportunities where i can spend less effort and and less time because i can leverage experience and utilize that discrepancy and put it into like let's say a line of make and merch or like i don't know hiring a designer to do something right like that's the way i've kind of looked at it i was in a conversation with a coworker who listens to this podcast so thank you david who says value is what someone defines it as so i don't think it's a bad thing if you discover clients that define your value very highly that's what you're saying i would say yes but also i i see it as well put it this way it's like directly mm. and you think there's an inaccuracy because you define your value to them lower than how they define it as in you see yourself as worth one dollar and they see you as worth a thousand dollars picking random numbers here yeah Right. And so you think this person should estimate me at this value, but actually they see me a different way. And I've actually done nothing to like yeah. persuade them of that, but I'm also not going to do anything to dissuade them. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Most, I mean, most clients underestimate your value yeah. out there in the world of creative work. If theoretically, that's the way it works because they know that they can pay X number of dollars and they'll make more on top to cover the expensive, which I understand. Yeah. You are sometimes in discussions with certain people and you recognize how you can make them feel uncomfortable for the benefit and upside mm. for ourselves. Mm -hmm. But I say that only because there's like an altruistic outcome there you're trying to achieve. I don't know if I'd use the word altruistic. Well, let's put it this way. If I, if I personally see it. You find it more meaningful. You find a more meaningful use of that money. Altruism sounds like you're like giving money to the poor. At least my definition. Okay. Sorry. Maybe it's a misuse. Like a, I don't know if it's a misuse or just like my definition of it, yeah. but I get what you mean. Yeah. So for me, um, luckily, something very different from you. When I think about what I learned about work in 2020, it's I learned how much countries and governments will preserve the state of work above all else mm -hmm. because of the pandemic. And I mean, I say I learned it, but I feel like probably we should have already known this. But this year, it was just like really stark contrast, right? We saw a lot of governments choosing what they saw as the health of the economy over people's lives, mm. over, a, over health and safety. And that's really depressing, but also a good thing to know, like a good thing to learn about the way governments work and what systems prioritize. Um, and I also am depressed at how many workers, like how many people in the creative industry looked at work and thought about how can we adapt the most quickly to this situation and how can we predict what's coming next so that we can keep working better. 
Yeah. And there have been more than one online conference this year regarding the future of work. Yeah. And I feel like the most, I don't even want to say radical, like my vision of the future of work is a society in which we do not need to work. Yeah. That's the true vision that I feel like we should all remember. And I know like this is one of those things that I can't make happen. Yeah. You know, I can't, I'm not the one who's going to be like single-handedly abolishing the need to work. brick in the road or whatever you want to call it. Well, right. I'm doing it by saying yeah, it right exactly. now on this podcast. The real vision that we should keep in mind is for us to not have to work. As much or at all. At, at all. Yeah. Like that's the, that's, I mean, the humanity vision would be like not having to work in the definition of working for a company five days a week, 40 hours a week, plus for a salary. I don't, I don't mean that we don't do the things that we do, which constant, you know, currently constitute work. Like, I'm not saying like, oh, the vision is we all sleep yeah, yeah. all the time. I just think the yeah. current system of work is not the thing that we should keep aspiring to do. Next question. Yeah. What did one. you learn about yourself in 2020? And I feel like in order to make it challenging, you have to answer something that is not work related. Yeah, it's really tough. To be honest, it's like, it's tough to make that separation because I've been maybe lucky to have this lineup in a certain way right everything i do like the media i consume generally speaking well there's some dumb subreddits i'm on that have absolutely no bearing on work but in general everything kind of tips into one thing and i've enjoyed that almost that efficiency of mm. being able to satisfy entertainment with something that's work related but if i look at what is it like a personal thing that I've learned, I think I've just really learned to let go of this, this belief that I'm, I can do everything. Mm. I mean, it's, I used to feel like it was, it, I needed to win everything and I still do at some, like it's still a guiding thing, but I also feel less bummed off if I lose because I, I, maybe it goes back to the time horizon thing. Like mm. maybe I'll lose today, but I probably won't lose tomorrow or in next week if I'm, diligent at it right and it's also you know my friend season brought up this really good point like the reality of procrastination is really you just don't care about something enough and it's also okay not to care about everything and not caring about everything has taken a massive load off my i guess my uh, massive cognitive load off me because i'm like dude i don't i want i don't i don't care enough to help you with this and mm -hmm. I, I don't feel guilty about that anymore mm-hmm Pretty straightforward, actually. No, that's good. I have really not as intense things that I learned about myself this year. Is that considered intense? I don't know. It's more intense than what I got. Okay. What did you learn about yourself? I learned that I like cooking more than I yes. thought I did and that I'm also better at it than oh, I nice. thought I was going to be. Um, I also learned that I mean, you already know this, but that I enjoy coffee too much to quit it. Yeah. Which is still pretty revelational for me because I did spend a lot of this last year trying to not drink coffee. Ultimately, I feel like it was very punishing. I learned, these are all like daily routine things, essentially, that what I've learned about myself. I learned that as hard as I try, which I've tried very hard, I am not an early sleeper, early riser. Yeah. And I, it, 
I used to believe that was like something that you could teach yourself over time, like with discipline and routine. But now I lean towards it is something that your body just determines. And I'm sure there's some scientists out there that would like disprove me. But all I can say is that my body is not willing to go with that. Yeah, it's it's not happening. So instead, I'm learning like you got to adjust your you got to adjust your lifestyle to like make yourself physically feel better. Yeah. (laughs) A couple of things I think that are just about regular better well-being for me. Last question, which is the one I added, and this is for kind of a stab at staying in line with making it up. What are you excited or sorry, past tense? What got you excited about creativity this year? And oh, externally is what I'm thinking. I'm not sure if this pertains to just because of the general situation, but I'm I'm just excited by the number of tools and the number of different platforms and opportunities people can go to should they want to try and i and i emphasize try to monetize creative work i think that's a very good answer because if i look at everything that's before us every single person around you could try to become a creator who gets paid and lives off quote-unquote creating things but it's not going to happen because you need consumers and you need creators right and not everyone has the same talent ability skill whatever even rigor to do it but the fact that it's now a viable opportunity changes the game significantly. And not just that it's a viable opportunity. The thing that I think it's important that you said is that we're not limited to three or four options. You have really a, a breadth of small to large scale things that you can choose to like distribute, to monetize, etc. Yeah. I mean, at its very it's core, because creator often means content creator. Sure. Because even if you are creating ceramics right you're still creating content as a vehicle for that yeah so you still need to actually be someone good at that as well so i think that because we will most likely not shake this creator consumer relationship there's an increasingly large market that requires people to fulfill creative services and creator services Mm -hmm. and you know whether it's easier to find it i mean i'm not going to talk about pricing pressure if that will happen because you're always going to have a high end low end right but I think that it's just like yeah I, I can start right and to be honest I think that we've talked about this before at its very core the fact that people are creating things is better than not creating so yeah. if you are writing a newsletter for 100 people and 3 of those people pay you $5 a month and that's enough incentive for you to get going I wouldn't necessarily say that's a bad thing I wouldn't Right. I think the fact that you write a newsletter and someone reads it is already a thing that I wish, you know, I want to see in the world. And the fact that you can monetize it to me is like the cherry on top. Right. And obviously, yes, like I would like people to have a sustainable living. But I think the fact that you as anyone can create something and put it out there and determine a value for it is 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 exciting yeah and it's different from before i mean the last thing i was going to add to that is it's so hard to keep track of everything right now but it also proves that you can be very focused on what you do well and you can find an audience for it to hopefully create 
a career, income, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And we say, that, and like, you know, this was something we've talked about privately. It's like, you know, media fragmentation sounds bad, but it could also be a good thing. It just shows that there's a viable audience for things that could be super niche that you and I have no interest in, but it doesn't mean that that person can't go and find a way to make a living off of it. Yeah. I mean, it would also be nice that people don't have to necessarily make a living off of their niche of course, niche interests, yeah. but you know, for me, I think it's related to yours, but it's more anecdotal, which is, I feel like, um, I saw a lot of friends and people I know decide to start their own thing this year, despite, you know, the, or maybe even because of the economic situations globally, both despite and because of, I think. Like some people left their jobs, like actually quit full-time jobs to take the plunge to start their own thing. And maybe because it's like, well, now or never, right? And then other people were kind of unfortunately forced into a position where they had to do their own thing. But I think it's exciting to me is, um, is all of those individual ideas, whether or not like, how to say this? I might not be personally excited about everyone's projects. Okay. Like I might not be excited. This is hypothetical. Like let's say someone has a line of penis ceramics. Okay. Jesus, you really went out there, didn't you? I just had to do, I have to, I have to make sure people know that this is not like a real person. Okay. So maybe a friend is like making penis ceramics <laughs> and I'm not excited about like this project. Okay. Like I would not own one of these items. But I'm excited that this person is excited. Yes, is excited. Yeah. And is like making it and putting it out there. I think excitement of any sort is a great way to like unjade yourself. Yeah. Yep. 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 So I don't have to love the thing you're doing to like that you're doing it. Coming in hot. One penis ceramic. (laughs) I'm sure someone out there is making those. All All right. right. That's it. That's a good place to cap things off for the year. If you're interested in hearing more about making, reading, and listening to some of our stories focused on the sights and sounds of creative culture, visit us at making.com. You can also subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and platforms. If you like this podcast, you can do us a huge favor by sharing this podcast with a friend or supporting us via patreon.com slash making. Also, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email myself at eugene at making.com and sharice at making.com. We love hearing your feedback. I'm Sharice. I'm Eugene. And this is Making It Up. Little role reversal there. Flipping the script. Right.